When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Chris Evans here. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio on the way today. Chatterbox, David Tennant delves into the second series of his hit podcast. Hollywood funnyman Jason Sudeikis tells us about his new Apple TV Plus show, Ted Lasso. Super songstress Katie Tunstall discusses her live stream show live from the Libero. And acting genius Russell Crowe talks about his chilling new thriller, Unhinged. All of that and loads more still to come now. Dapper Dave, tell us who's our first guest. Next guest is an incredible actor and as it turns out loves a natter the second series of his mind-blowingly popular podcast David Tennant does a podcast with is out now with another roster of weekly superstar guests yep you guessed it it's David Tennant good morning David oh morning Chris good how you doing very well how are you <laughs> oh, excellent. All the better for hearing you. Well, well done on the podcast thing. I mean, you weren't Thanks. the first on the bus, but you were you were pretty much ahead of lots of other people. When when did you and the worlds of podcasting collide? Well, I've loved a podcast since the early days. I've loved listening to them. Um, and then I started, you know, one of those conversations, I, I was talking to my agent about podcasts because she loves them too. And and then suddenly she'd arranged a meeting and suddenly I was I, I was talking about doing one. It kind of happened a little bit by accident. But I'm very glad that it did. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Um, yeah. so, so what are we, three years in, four years in now? What no, is it? This, is, this is only number two. Is it? This is my second run. I yeah, but they've been... They've not been quite annually. There was a bit of a gap. I feel like they, they, there's been more. I mean, I enjoyed Tina Fey. You've had some great guests on, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've had, we've been very. People have been very enthusiastic. It's been great, and they seem to and know. You. There's been a few people who didn't want to know, <laughs> but we're not going to discuss them. Yeah, forget. They will one day, David. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. They, they all come in. Book They'll them. Come. They'll but come yeah, book it. Back. Book it, and they will come. What did you talk to Olivia Coleman about? Whoopi Goldberg about? John Hamm about? Where do these conversations come, and where do they go? They sort of they they ramble a bit. There's a sort of usual. There's usually a bit of a structure and a, a a bit of biography, I suppose, finding out where these people have come from. You know what their what their family might have been like, what what their general views on life are, and then it just sort of goes where it might go. Uh, uh, we we record for for quite a long time and we edit it down. And I think because I'm not a journalist and because. People feel relatively safe. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, it's all very... I'm not out to, to trip anyone up or to trap anyone or to get people to reveal things they don't want to reveal. And, and any of the guests can come back and go, you know that bit we talk about? Let's take that. The, the, that bit we did, let's take that out. It's all. It's a safe space, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So the, the upside of that is hopefully you get a sort of conversation you might not get somewhere else. It's a, it's a bit more freeform. It's a bit more relaxed. It's a bit more intimate i suppose yeah i mean i'm fairly new to the world of podcasting listening to it i'm two years mm. in which it's fledgling right. but but still it's like this reminds me the take-up of this reminds me of the take-up of um uh, of electronic uh, screens because i remember sky t- talking about the fact that you know i think it was like you know this is just approximate figures but five to six years ago maybe five to ten years ago uh three percent of people who watch sky sports watched on a tablet and then the next year it was 12 percent. the next year it was 30 percent, and now more people watch sky sports on a tablet or mobile device than they do on a telly and i I think the exponential take of a podcasting is not dissimilar um Mm. which which were the ones that got you hooked 
Uh, well, I do like the political podcasts, but I also like the ones that, that you know, I was quite inspired by. Alec Baldwin does a podcast called Here, Here's Ooh, the Thing. Didn't know that. Yeah. Just writing that, that down was, now. Okay. That was sort of the one that got, that made me think, well, maybe there's a British version of that. Right. And he does a similar sort of thing. Uh, I mean, basically I copied him because he's cool. And I thought, oh, I'd like to be, I'd like to be Alec Baldwin. Uh, it's purely aspirational from my point of view. Uh, so, and he does that. Yeah, his goes back years now. He's got people like Elaine Stritch on there, and uh, it, it's just him kind of hanging out and, and uh, finding out about people that he admires. And that's really where my idea came from. Yeah, I mean, you can hear it. You, you can hear it in my voice as well on this show, as well as uh, you know on podcasts. You can hear people who have a job that has enabled them to meet people they've always wanted to talk to. I I mean, that's not a bad reason for doing it anyway. And you might earn a sh- uh, the odd shilling in between. Well, what a treat. Yeah. I mean, a lot of mine as well have been, I've called in favours. You know, so there's a lot of, a lot of it's hanging out with mates, which is always fun. And, and you know, you, you, that gives you a bit of a, a way in here and there. But this season, I suppose, probably slightly more has been people who I didn't previously know, like Stacey Abrams, like Jim Parsons, who was in last week's one, who you just kind of think, I bet that person, someone I'll, like and get on with and so far i've been proved right i've yet to have the awkward the awkward interview the kind of david blaine and eamon holmes moment i've yet to have that <laughs> yeah but i mean you know david blaine wouldn't go on eamon holmes podcast i wouldn't imagine you know it's, it's different not. because it's sort of yeah. there's so much sort of dealt before uh, the, the microphones or, or the, the the recording is switched on so That's um true. let me ask you this so when you said your agent or your agent said well you suggested that you might be interested in doing this um and then your agent said well it's you know you need to go and see this person that person well, so what how does that how does it work how does making a podcast from your point of view work what is what is the the process I well, I met a, a, a couple of producers at a company called something else who do that sort of thing. Uh, so they that made it very easy for me. So, so they just went, well, here's a studio and here's this is how this is how we'll do it. And they, they kind of do all the all the stuff that I don't know how to do. Right. Um, although, of course, this again, this this run has been slightly different because I haven't been in studios. I've been in my own house. Um which in some ways allows people from all over the world to get involved. You don't have to coordinate your movements, but it's been a, it's been a bit of a steep learning curve with where to plug which wire and where and how to make sure you're pressing record at the right moment. Oh dear! Uh, Nerv- Cue nervous laughter from the host of the show here. Jeez. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's you know. Oh. So that's been interesting. Are you talking from your home studio now? I mean, home studio. Yeah, but, but yes. Because you know, it sounds yes. it sounds great. It sounds fantastic. No, well, I've got, no, I got like a posh mic and I've got a, a little box that it all goes through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be recording an album here, but I can just about do some talking. All right, listen, we've got to go. How do people get to, get to your podcasts? All of them? On all your podcast platforms. Apple, Spotify, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure people know how to get a podcast, don't they? All right, David they Tennant. Don't, they can Google it. Okay, David Tennant does a podcast with Ian Rankin soon and lots of people. Um, <laughs> before that, thank you. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave, who is live on the line now. If you think you've experienced road rage, then think again. Our next guest has taken it to a whole new level. His new thriller, Unhinged, is in cinemas now. That's right, you heard me, cinemas. Please welcome a man that's always bringing the thunder from down under. It's the one and only Russell Crowe. Good morning, Mr. Crowe. Very well, how are you? Pretty good, how's things? 
Yeah, good. Not bad, actually. Thanks for asking. And so, um, uh, Russell, I'm reading here on Twitter. um, uh, You uh, posted this. You know those days when you've done a bunch of promo, station identification, shout-outs, and answered the same questions over and over, and you think to yourself, let's just have a bit of fun now? Well, I can only apologise for adding to that that mass of merd. I can only apologise for that, because we're going to go through the same thing again here now. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. I'm used to it. Um, so, what questions have you been asked repeatedly about this film that are worth answering? So I don't have to sort of troll through them all. Well, I think mainly what people want to know really is why I've decided to play such an extreme character. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, really, in reality, for me, I kind of let the work choose itself in in a way. You know what I mean? I've been talking about this for the last thirty years of making films, but. You know, I read scripts all the time and um, I don't really care what the pedigree is or who's going to make it and stuff. I just want to know what the story is. Yeah. And uh, if it gets to me, if it gets under my skin, if I can't stop thinking about it, then that's generally the one that I ended up that I end up doing, you know. And this film, when I originally read it, I was like, no, 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 there's no way I'm doing this. But I just happened to be in L.A. at the time. And I was seeing a lot of friends, they're all in the business, and you talk about what's going on, what you're reading, blah, blah, blah. And I kept describing the story, and every time that I would describe the story, I would just refine it a little bit more. And I started to see what I was responding so negatively to, because what I was responding negatively to was that I was afraid. I was scared. I read the script, and I was actually scared. And I worked out that what I was scared of is the truth contained in the script. There are so many instances of this kind of white-hot, violent rage coming out of people, and whether it's somebody walking into a primary school with an AR-15, or whether it's people tearing each other's hair out in the supermarket aisle over a roll of toilet paper, we're seeing this kind of explosion of rage more and more. So that's when it started to dawn on me that this was a film that was making a social commentary. It's not just a genre film. Yeah, and your character, Tom Cooper, he's extraordinarily, extremely angry. Uh, He's wronged, he feels wronged, he's broken. And you talk about rage and different kinds of rage. You know, this is the most dangerous kind of rage because it's terminal rage. He he has made a deal with himself or the devil or something or someone in between where he knows his life is going to end probably in the next day because he's probably going to be shot by the authorities. And it's how much havoc and mayhem he can wreak within those last few hours. And when you are faced with that, you know, you, you beget you, things really start to sink in, and of course, your character Tom, um, you know uh, what, what's going on with him. What's what's further catalyzed from the opening minute, which grabs you by the throat, and I won't tell people what that is, and it never lets you go until the end of the film. Is when he, Tom Cooper comes up against uh, Rachel. Uh, now, Rachel, um, she couldn't be more different, but has her inner rage too. And she says something which she doesn't need to say because she's in a certain situation, caught in a traffic jam in a highway. And, you know, and it's like, well, the, the, this is a meeting of rage. You know, it's diff, it's on different levels, but it's the same. It's the same currency of conversation, the same currency of emotion, the same things that are going wrong with everyone at the same time. Yeah. And you using the character name Tom Cooper, I mean, I know that the character says that name in one scene, but I'm pretty sure he's just making a name up at the time. Uh, the script never referred to him as actually having a character name. The script, in the script, he was just listed as the man. So, um, yeah, you're exactly right. 
that that's what the the movie is putting in front of people. I think by the end of the journey, what people sort of end up asking themselves is, in the next situation I get in yeah. like that, what's my response going to be? So in some funny way, this extreme experience in the cinema is actually making people stop for a second and just consider where their head might be on some you know, basic communication issues, you know? Yeah, no, it is, it is what is my rage? Why is my rage? What do I do with my rage? What space is my rage filling um, that should be joyous or overflowing with something else? And you brood very well in this film, Russell. You don't need me to tell you that, but, but you brood pretty damn well, and you've done that before. Um, how, how, are you, how are you brooding in real life nowadays? Well, I'm actually, you know, I, I don't mean to sort of make light of the situation that's faced around the globe, but uh, this is the longest holiday I've ever had in my working life. And uh, I've spent it the entire time on my farm in northern New South Wales in Australia. And I have a lot of stuff up here, a lot of projects I've been meaning to get to, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just, for me, it's been an extremely productive time and it's given me a lot of uh, introspective time, a lot of time to plan ahead, but just to get all the tin cans that I felt like I was dragging <laughs> behind me, organised in a line and ticked off, you know. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the night where you are now? Uh, I might go and play a little bit of tennis, though the wind's up. Uh, you know, so that makes that idea not so good, but um, it just depends. You know, I get really early these days, man. I like to get up uh, in the, the darkness, as you probably do for your life, and you've done it for, for years and years, but I like to get up before the sun. I feel like I have more time and more control if I'm up before the sun, you know. So a uh, bit of reading, a little bit of tennis, uh, do some messages that I missed during the course of the day, and nothing exciting. All right, Russell. Well, thank you for your film. Thank you for your time. As always, uh, Russell Crowe's brand-new film, Unhinged, is in UK cinemas now and is released across the globe this uh, coming Friday. Russell Crowe, live on your radio with our pals at Sky. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. They say sidewalk, we say pavement. They say tomato, we say tomato. They say soccer, we say football. But none of that really matters when the telly is this good. Ted Lasso is out on Apple TV Plus and joining us now for a bit of a kickabout is a man that always wallops it top bins. It's the quite brilliant Jason Tadekis. Good morning, Jason. Oh, boy. Good morning. How well, are you guys doing? We're very well. I presume you're in Los Angeles. I don't know why I presume that. I could be wrong. Uh, you are right. It is dark here. And normally, right about now, I'd be, you know, maybe playing FIFA, aka doing homework. <laughs> so, so Ted Laszlo, he's a football coach. He's cool. Um, this lady over here, she inherits a football club in a divorce yep. from her horrible husband. And she fires her massage. Mm-hmm. This manager, and then she sees you and she likes you, and she flies you over with your coach. And you seem very nice. And you know, uh, when I heard about the show and I saw the f- skit that it was based on, the first skit, I thought, "This is this is one joke. How is this ever going to make a TV show?" And, uh, <laughs> and then you then you write yeah. the pilot, and pilots have to be so strong and so robust. And after your pilot last night, I watched the original pilot for <laughs> Thirty Rock just to compare the two. And then I watched the second episode of both. And you know, those first pi- a, a pilot for a sitcom that gets picked up in the US that is a very treasured, that is a priceless thing there that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Did you really do all that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And, and more. I have five children. Why? There you are. I, I mean, that's um, that's a lot of homework. That's very. Uh, how did we how did we fare? I mean, 30 Rock's a fantastic show. 
Yeah, but it's funny, isn't it? Because the pilot, you know, because then you, you watch yeah. the second episode of season one of 30 Rock and it all, it really calms down. It's like, you know, you're going through the gears first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then, you know, the first 22 minutes of the first uh, ep, the pilot ep is over and then suddenly you're in overdrive and here comes um, episode two, which is fantastic, but it's entirely different. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, they probably got a lot of bunch of, a bunch of different notes and all that stuff. You know, and and uh, and also you probably settle into it because the first one, you know, you're you're singing for your supper there, so you're pulling out all the stops, I believe is the saying, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you're like, you know, you know, all the guns are firing, and then maybe by the second one, you're like, okay, now now they're going to let us make ten or twelve of these. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the way I would do it. Well, Seinfeld, the same thing, wasn't it? So Seinfeld, that they, you know, they 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 make an amazing uh, pilot, and then suddenly the the network says, okay, we need twenty two a year for seven years, and they go, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, but you're going to have to pay us. And they're like, okay. Pitch Ted to yeah. everyone, because I want people to watch the show. It's really, really yeah. funny. Come on. I, I really appreciate that. I, look, he, it's an American football coach, a college football coach who gets hired uh, to coach an English Premier League soccer team here in the UK, you know, uh, or there in the UK. And, and you know, the thing that I've been joking about with people is, yeah, it's based off these commercials that we did uh, for the Premier League showing on NBC Sports back in 2013, 2014. Took forever to, to get it. No, it didn't take forever to get it made. It's been like two years since we we paired up with Bill Lawrence, uh, who people know from you know creating the show Scrubs or Cougar Town. And he and yeah, he loved those commercials. And I brought them this idea that me and some buddies had. But but there's a lot going on. It's a, it's you know it's it's a show about a team, so you, you get to know everybody uh, you know pretty um, pretty pretty darn well. It's a good cast of characters, a great ensemble. No. It is. It is a tough sell to talk about. I've got. I've got to give you that one because uh, that's why I gave it over to you because I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And the thing about great I just, comedy, I just say the sentence thing that you already said. You know earlier so well and so much. You know, verve that I felt like I was just you know, <laughs> you know, sloppy seconds over here. I was like, I was like, yeah, what he said, but yeah. a little softer and you know quieter. But it's, funny, but it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, every great comedy has heart. And um, if you can sort of hoodwink the viewers into not seeing that at first, and then it starts to yeah. sort of eke through and straight... Because, you know, in those ads, you know, it's just, it, is a, it is a big... It's, it's a single big fat joke, and it's very meaty, but it 100%. is one joke. And so you think, how's, yeah. how's this going to work in over one twenty-two minutes, let alone 12, 22 minutes? But straight away, yeah. the, his heart comes out, you know, and you go, oh, my goodness yeah. me, here we go, uh, because it's a bit Chancy Gardner, it's a bit Forrest Gump, if you like, you know? I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's high praise. Um, but, but you know, that, that's what we're trying to do. Because, yes, because towards your point, to do four minute, you know, you know, eight minutes of, of sketch sort of material, uh, you know, can't sustain over over a film, much less. Even though even though people have definitely tried and some have succeeded. But like, yeah, I couldn't do that with this with this character. But what I really liked about it was like just his enthusiasm. And that was something we, we discovered doing the second commercial. Like he was just had an optimism about him because in the first commercial, it was all he gets hired by Tottenham and then gets fired like two days later. Yeah. And so when we made the second commercial the next year, it was like, oh, the fact that he loved his experience and now coaches like a little, uh, you know, a young girl's soccer team and goes to pubs and watches games and has, you know, you know, pictures of the queen up in his apartment back home in the States <laughs> just seemed like such a cheerful guy. And it's a fun way to view the world. I, you know, uh, it's, I would say the, the funniest thing about it for, for, for me though, is, is the realization that the idea to do the show we talked about in like the fall, no, 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 like the spring or summer of, of uh, 2015. You know, well before you know, you know, you know, the, uh, things have gone the way they have over here politically. And at that point, we thought the the biggest pill people will have to swallow is is you know how can someone that has no idea what they're doing 
be put in charge of something as important as a professional soccer team. And now, like in today's day and age, politically, like especially in America, like I said, no one asks that question. Everybody's like, oh, we get this. This is interesting. This is like a this is a metaphor now. I get it. I see what's happening. And <laughs> it's been like, it's like, OK, all right. Well, here we go. Well, how come you waited <laughs> up so late for us? Why did they say you've got to do this show? Well, they didn't say I had to. I said yes. But why? I, I thought you were the guy that played Captain America, and I've met you a couple times. Yeah, no, it's not me. I'm afraid. I, he, hey, nobody. He, he I'm get, not Zach Galifianakis. He gets really annoyed played. about that, by the way. Why? What are you talking to me about? He probably gets the best seats at Nando's. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Uh, he, I interviewed him once and he he couldn't get out of the studio quick enough because he knew that I thought it was oh. really funny and he didn't think it was funny at all. And there's another Chris oh, Evans. There's, well, there are many, but there's another really decent, really important one. He's a professor who deals in stem cell research. And Oh, amazing. And he's the, he's the one that we should all be worshipping at the altar of, that guy. Yeah, and, and, yet, and yet he's like, you know, on page 20 of, of Google because yes. of you two. Yeah, but he's... You he's, know, it's like... He's on there. I think he's in the top 10 rich list, so he doesn't care. Listen, here's family, me. Like, I've got to internet. let you go now. I'm go do your thing. It was really, really nice chat. Jason, you. thank you so you, much. Uh, you digging this show. Uh, I, I look forward to uh, meeting face to face one day. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We've heard from three guests already, but there's heaps more good stuff lying ahead. Radio Royalty, Bob Harris, looking back at 50 years of whispering broadcasting. Tantalisingly talented Tom Ellis, waxing lyrical about returning as Lucifer for season five of the hit show. Available now via Sky Q on Netflix. The most marvellous marvel of modern medicine, Dr. Michael Greger, blows our minds with his brilliant and very timely new book, How to Survive a Pandemic. And Kerry Godleman gives us the lowdown of her new podcast series, Memory Lane. It's hilarious. All that and more still to come. So let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next? She's a singing, songwriting sensation with talent oozing from every pore. She's been raving it up on Patreon during lockdown. And tomorrow she's performing a very special live stream gig indeed. Please welcome live from Topanga Canyon in the Santa Monica (laughs) Mountains. It's the incredible Katie Tunstall. Morning. Oh, hi. oh, hello. How are you? <laughs> hello. I'm doing great. Right, listen, you very, very kindly um, uh, prepared some live music for us. But before I that, did. tell us what's going on tomorrow. Oh, well, <laughs> I am doing a gig in Santa Barbara. There you go. I'm playing in an empty theatre to no audience, the Libero Theatre. Anyone can watch it. Anyone can buy a ticket. That's the good thing about online is you can go anywhere in the world and watch mm-hmm. a show. But it's quite spooky, like being in a theatre with no one in it and just a few camera people. Um, but I did love it. It was um, It's amazing being back in a venue again. So have you done it already? I have done it already. Oh, I see. I see so just to get 
just to make sure because people are paying for the tickets you have to make sure that there isn't any technical problems with them watching the show so and it's uh it's very it's a the great thing about it is the camera crew are on stage with you mm-hmm. so it's a it's a fly's eye view of exactly what I'm doing on stage, which you'd never see that close up if you're at the show. Love so it. there is a very cool, very kind of up close and personal aspect to it, which I loved. And have you seen anybody else doing this? Because last week um, we had the Biffy Clara guys on talking about their gig, and they did a live oh, gig. I can't wait to hear their new album. Oh, well, it's all it's by the way, it's unbelievable. And they did this gig because they I've were heard. they were ready for a world tour uh, last Saturday, and they blew oh. the roof off the dump. It was wow. unbelievable. Wow. Well, I've heard that the Nick the Nick Cave show at Ali Pali was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Leanne Lahavis has done the roundhouse, hasn't she? I didn't see that. Yep. Um, but I think we've just got to get creative and make these make these shows really special for people who are watching at home and just try our best to transport them and give them a night out even though they're sitting at home at least the drinks are already paid for absolutely and the fridge isn't far away and uh, the bar yeah. never, the bar never closes uh, mike skinner and the... you do not you don't have the six <laughs> foot eight guys standing in front of you no unless you unless you hire one in i'm sure they're available uh, yeah right. you might want to you might miss it mike skinner the streets they did one last weekend as well which has five star reviews across the board so there's another one for you to catch wow. up on katie so so how do people get in touch wow. with yours tomorrow? Where, where do they go? Just go to liberotheatre.com or .org. I think it might be .org. I don't know. And then, But just go to, it's L-O-B-E-R-O and you go to Libero Theatre. Look on any of my socials and all the details are there. And it's um, it's 15 bucks for a ticket, which is less than in pounds. And it's a full, full length show. I played for well over an hour and there's a bunch of stories that I'm telling about the songs and it's it was really it's going to, going to be special, and I wore a suit and everything. Oh, lovely! Okay, now it's yes. um, it's approaching one o'clock where you are over there in California. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah. This, what are you going to do this weekend? How's your weekend stacking up? Oh, do you know what? I'm just sort of on the hunt for new projects because obviously my live stuff has kind of gone up the swanee for now, so mm-hmm. I I can't be doing that. So I've got some really fun. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing a lot of voiceover auditions for animations nice so i keep getting sent these scripts and i tell you what they're mental (laughs) these scripts are so weird like one of them is a sort of narwhal unicorn hybrid (laughs) and another one is like a really racy one about a bunch of people on a on a cruise ship it's completely bizarre but i'm quite enjoying like all the different stuff and apart from that i'll be doing the usual going walking the dog and trying not to melt in 36 yeah. degrees and, and trying to avoid killer things just to just avoid all the things <laughs> that can kill us right now would be great before you go katie one more thing yeah the last time you came in you gifted Ozzy nick our producer you gifted him one of your kazoos one of your priceless <gasps> treasured I kazoos know. and he, he brought it in today he's brought it in because he kept it in your honor okay pride of place back at the aussie's home uh with his partner kane and he brought it in today and he proudly came in Kazooing it from the wrong end. Wow. He was doing the binoculars wrong end trick. But he didn't know. He had no... I said, Nick, it's the wrong way round. He went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Let's just just say it's ornamental. Come on. Okay? It doesn't... I think he's going to come. Give us a bit of... um, Come on, Nick. Give give us a bit of cherry tree. Come on now. Go on. Uh, uh. Oh! He got the right end. 
She's, te- she's tearing up. She's tearing up. Yes. Oh. I'm so emotional. Oh. He's learned a new instrument. <laughs> can we can we have a bit more than that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> That's he's about a, it. He's a big. He's a big fan. Of, he loves music. He's a big fan of you. Um, he loves Sia. He's a big fan of Sia. Loves mm. Sia. And um, she's got a new film out. Have you heard about this? I haven't. We're trying to get her on to talk about it. She's she's directed, produced a film. It's an amazing film uh, about wow. about music, the importance of music uh, to an autistic uh, young girl, inspired by an autistic young boy that she knows. One of one of her best oh, friends. It's a God, beautiful she's film. She's an amazing woman. She is amazing, but he's also a fan of musical theatre, and that will come as no surprise to anybody who's ever met him, <laughs> uh, if you know what I mean. And um, and uh, give us a bit of um, bring him home. <laughs> Bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. Don't know any more words. Never known words. Who needs words when you have the? (laughs) Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Wow. You're awesome. We love you. My heart is. My heart is lifted by this experience. (laughs) I I support you on your journey, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> That's because it's 21 <laughs> in the morning and you're delirious. Uh, right. Katie, uh, don't be a stranger. We love you. Ta-da. Love you. Bye. Bye. Sorry, I mean, ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest doesn't have idle hands and has quite literally made his work the devil. The fifth season of the smash hit show Lucifer drops today on Netflix via your Sky Q. And here to tell us more is the smoking hot Beelzebub stud himself. Please welcome the really rather heavenly Tom Ellis. <laughs> what about that, Tom? Come on. Wow, thank you. There's Beelzebub and there's Beelzebub stud. That's you got it. Dave. Well done, pal. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Oh, that's <laughs> How are you, Tom? What's going down? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. Um, I'm just up in Sheffield visiting my mum and dad for the oh. first time for a long time. How are yeah. they? They're doing all right. It's really weird. I haven't seen my dad for over a year because of lockdown and everything and being in a different country. So it's been lovely. Right, Lucifer, season five. Now, I am new to Lucifer as of last night, Tom. Um, I would apologise. It's, like it's like you were doing research. Yeah, Chris. no, I did some actual <laughs> research. Unbelievable. And so people who love Lucifer, who've been on board from the beginning or joined halfway through and have caught up, they are four seasons in. But I, however, am one brand new episode from season five in. So I may still uh, come out with a, 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 a no score draw there, I think. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you started? You started at season five? Well, I, I had the choice, you know, and I had... <laughs> I have a million children and my daughter's down and we've got a new grandson, you know, and we're praying because we're going on holiday after the show today. So, but I did watch the whole, you know, the, the whole of, uh, episode one of season five. Now, you know, I just, I just, I just presumed all the other four seasons. <laughs> I just thought, well, I'm, I'm going to make up what happened in the other four seasons. Can you sort of give me a, some kind of narrative arc to what may have happened, how it all began? Who is Lucifer? Oh, gosh. Okay, so in a, it's a really hard show to put into a media-friendly soundbite, but basically the devil <laughs> gets, gets bored of being the devil, right. so he leaves, leaves his throne in hell, yep. moves to Los Angeles, opens yep. a nightclub, and then his path is crossed with a police detective from the LAPD, and he, unbeknownst to him, starts to fall in love with her and learn about humanity. There you go. Well done. That was very impressive. <laughs> I mean, you know, as a pitch, you know, if you're pitching this to a studio, that's that's not the. It's a great pitch, but it's a fun pitch. But they go, "Thanks for the pitch. Thanks for the. That was a fun five exactly. minutes, but that, that's never yeah. going to happen." So, how did they? Who did? Who said yes to this? 
back in the well, day. Well, originally, originally it was um, so Warner Brothers TV that produced it, and they originally produced it for Fox TV. Right. Um, and it was it was the original writer was Tom Capenos who wrote Californication. So he's really really great at writing despicable characters that yep. you somehow like. Um, and then we just kind of uh, it just it sort of took its own shape as we as we started doing the pilot, and we had Len Wiseman directing the pilot, who did the Underworld uh, movie franchise. Um, and it just it just all kind of weirdly came together, and um, here we are five years later. <laughs> There's a great story, isn't there, about how it got to Netflix? Because I think this is fantastic. This is real fortitude. This is this is good things happening to good people for the right mm. reasons. Off you go with that story. So after season three, Fox, in their infinite wisdom, cancelled the show. Um, but I don't think they'd realised that outside of Fox, people had been watching it on different streaming services throughout the world. So when they said it wasn't happening anymore, the whole Lucifer basis went crazy. And uh, there was an online campaign for Save Lucifer that just went on and on and on and on and on. And they couldn't ignore it. So Warner Brothers took the show out elsewhere and Netflix swooped in and picked it up. And now we are... The biggest show on Netflix, which is quite crazy. Yeah, it's, congratulations, by the way. Well done. <laughs> and are you signed up for seven seasons? That's the minimum contract, isn't it, usually, for a gig uh, like this? It's six seasons. So, it's in six fact, season six, season six of Lucifer will be our final season. That's been um, that's that's a definite, definite now. <laughs> I like it when that happens, because you know where you stand. Yeah. We, I mean, I think, you know, in the in the crazy world of TV, having the having the privilege of knowing that your your show is going to end and so you can write the end properly. Yeah. Is a, is um is not it's not something that everyone gets to do. So no, I do feel very lucky about that. And also you get re-energized, don't you? Cuz cuz you you know the end is nigh. And I don't mean that yeah. in, in any kind of sort of pessimistic or fatalistic way, but you think, okay, come on. Uh, you then yeah. realize cuz it is easy to forget, isn't it? It is easy to forget how lucky you are and what a great thing. You know, you're working on a hit, you're on a hit show, and then when you told you've only got, you know, two seasons left uh, or one season left now to, to to make, you think, "Oh my goodness me, this is the last time I'm going to do this. This is the last time I'm going to do this." Yeah. And and it gives you a little bit a bit of um bit more pep in your step. It makes you just want to save at the moment a little bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it is great. My my, <laughs> my daughter said something to me yesterday. I'm like, I'm going to say that on Chris's show tomorrow. She said, "There's a great phrase from Kung Fu Panda, Dad." She said, "Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why we call it the present." Love it. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> I take that with me on on the set of Lucifer in my final season. How old is she? She's 12. She's a 12-year-old guru is what she is. That's what she is right there. Right, how do we get people to engage with season five of Lucifer if they've never seen it before or do they go back to see, to, to episode one, season one? What, what's your well, advice on that? In this country, I think the first three seasons are on, um, are on Amazon still because we used to be on Amazon here. Mm-hmm. And then season four and season five uh, will be on Netflix. Right. So if they want to catch up, they can go and watch it on Amazon. If they want to just do a recap, I'm sure there'll be some recaps on Netflix about where we're at in our story. But I think now the show is on Netflix, it's become the best version of our show. So I think season four and now season five are our best, best seasons so, thus far. So maybe drop in episode one, season four, maybe? Yeah. Exactly. Maybe watch the pilot of episode. Maybe watch the first ever episode and then see how far we've Oh, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. No, that's a fantastic <laughs> there idea. You go. Just quickly before you go. Um, yeah. Just explain to me what Comic Cons are and who else you might have seen there or been in the green room waiting alongside. Oh, Comic Con. Anyone to do with comic book or fantasy world TV and movies. Mm. This is like, this is the Glastonbury of that. Yep. So basically there's just loads and loads of different screenings and Q&As and stuff and just everyone you can imagine there. Um, I did meet Sigourney Weaver there once backstage and I was very excited and I went up to her and I said, Sigourney, I'm a huge fan of yours. 
I love you. I love you. I just wanted to tell you. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, yeah, that's because you don't know me. And she walked off. Cool. That's what you want, though, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, yes, I've just been stunned by Sigourney. She Brilliant. just got cooler. I watched. Her, I didn't know she was an Avatar. I watched Avatar last weekend. It was great for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, you you sound like a lovely fella. I've never re- really met you properly, uh, but thank you for being on the show. Uh, Lucifer Season 5 is available, available via SkyQ today, as is everything uh, to do with Lucifer uh, via SkyQ. Or you can go to Netflix or you can go to Amazon Prime. Uh, give our love to your mum and dad, Tom, and safe journey back to the United States of America. Well done, pal. Thanks, Chris. Ta-da. Great talking, buddy. Take care. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, and our next guest is the master of getting the most out of celebrity snaps. Her new podcast series, Memory Lane, is available now, and she's on the line to tell us all about it, which means we're not close to godliness. We're close to Kerry Godlyman. Oh. He's too good, isn't he, Kerry? That is a lovely intro. I like that. Lovely intro. Congratulations on everything, Kerry. I know we've had you on before. We've talked before. Uh, You have entered the world of the podcast and you're doing it in fine style. Nice format. Great guest. Tell us more. Uh, Well, as you say, it seems somewhat obligatory now to have a podcast and lockdown was the impetus to get one going. So I was very lucky to interview 10 guests about their favourite photographs, five photographs that they offer up that sort of instigate some nice conversations and memories. It's a bit like Desert Island Discs for photographs. Well, it's exactly the same. Do you think? And also people are like, why? It's a visual, it's a visual thing on, on a podcast, which is a bit of a contradiction, but you can see all the pictures yeah. on the Intel platform. So obviously, you know, we just chat all around the pictures. Some of it's about the actual photo. Some of it's about the memories that the photo evokes. But you can see the pictures on um, the Entail platform. Yeah, no, the reason I'm giggling is because Anne Robinson did Desert Island Books. She didn't call it that, but it was was bring in your books and let's talk around them. And then our good friend Giles Corrin over on um, Times Radio, he does Desert Island Crisps, which is really funny. So you you bring in your favourite crisps from your childhood and you talk around them. But it's fun. It's a great, it's a great format. And also the photographs and the people you're bringing in uh, and to talk about, are they mates, these personal phone calls you made to Joe Brand and the like? Well, they're all comedians I know from the comedy world. You know what comedians are like, it's a bit of a village. So it's kind of nice to pull in some favours. Plus, I knew everybody had a lot of time on their hands, so they had no excuse to say no. <laughs> and it's not only that, is it? Because we're finding the same here on the radio. So it's, it's not only they had no excuse to say no, but they actually want to do stuff. Uh, so they're yeah. more keen to say yes, and they'll give you more of what you want in the process. Yeah, they, they were really keen to talk. Like, normally, if you try and get these sort of things arranged, you know, people are busy and they've got a lot on and they'll say, well, I can give you literally this slither of time. But everyone had so much time. <laughs> we were just chatting. and I mean, it's my favourite thing anyway, chatting. And I'm quite nosy. Yeah. So it was great to look at these pictures. So it was perfect for me. So as I say, great guests. Uh, Joe Brand, uh, Ron Meshrung and Nathan, of course. Lenny James, the name but three. Um, the whole, Sarah Milliken, Sean Walsh, all out there. Um, um, any, any particular favourites? Any particular highlights? Favourite photo of the whole series? Favourite story about a favourite photo of the whole series? Oh. Oh, it's really hard because some, they were just so brilliant. All of them were so generous with their photo. Joe Brand, that, that, that episode's out this week, that was, she, I really loved interviewing her. Her pictures were lovely and her stories. And, but all of them told such... But one of my favourite stories was Ramesh uh, talking about pissing himself on a school trip. Uh, there was stuff about the 80s and the 70s. It was very sort of interesting because obviously a lot of pictures now are very... People take a trillion selfies a day. But yeah different generations have different relationships with photographs, don't they? So 
you know, people that have got like one picture of, from when they were 10. Yeah, it's true. And talking about the decor and the, the presence of the law in the 70s and uh, disco moves and just memories, just the things that can be stirred up when you look at a photograph and how amazing that is, you know. I've never thought about that before. Up. Okay, you're the first person to ever sort of um, peek uh, my uh, realization of the fact that our photos were very few and far between. You know, to yeah. be to, to be able to a afford a camera, b afford a roll of film, and then c yeah. you, you know there was that trepidation, wasn't there, when you took it to the developers, thinking you know are they oh, are they going to come out? There was that phrase, wasn't exactly. there? You know, oh, my most phone. of them would be rubbish, wouldn't they? When you got um, twenty six or thirty four or whatever developed, most of them went in the bin. And then you were lucky to get a few good ones. Whereas now we take so many in a day. It's you know, it's a completely different relationship we have with photography now. Well, you're right. I mean, I've got I, I've got one of me on a, um, a little uh, trike when I was a three or four, and I think that's it for the for, for the whole five years around oh, there. You know, if we do another series, you'll have to come on and bring that photograph, and then we can talk. You see what I mean? That photograph. Well, I want to know about the trike. I want to know where you are when yeah. it's taken. Yeah. About you know when you were a kid. It's just I just love all that stuff. I love people talking about their childhood and their adolescence and their work life and what pictures have been taken. Often pictures are taken at happy times. You know, it's always holidays and Christmas, so it's always fond memories. What are you up to? You know, any any sign of uh, any openings on the horizon as far as getting back to work is concerned? Gigs are sort of trickling back in. We've been start. I did an open-air gig last night in Gravesend, and there's one. I've got one on Brighton Beach on Saturday. So that live side of work is starting to very slowly come back, which is really exciting. There's a real appetite for it, so... Yeah, a few live gigs. How does comedy play in the open air? It's fine. It was fine. It felt like Glyndebourne last night. Everyone sat with their baskets and their blankets. And I mean, obviously, it's really weather, you know, it's dependent. weather dependent. So yeah. I haven't done one in the rain yet. That might be quite bleak. But, and do, you, um, do you find yourself more relaxed? Is it a different kind of communication, different kind of relationship with the audience? Not so much. You just, I mean, I'm just happy to not be doing Zoom gigs because I, I did find them quite challenging. But... Um, <laughs> I didn't enjoy them. I did find those quite challenging, let me tell you. (laughs) I mean, stand-up comedy is a very tenuous medium anyway. It's kind of basically people having tantrums in front of other people, and Mm. if you're lucky, they laugh. But if you're doing it down a webcam, it did just feel, this is just too existential. It's just a woman having a breakdown into a a computer. So it doesn't quite work, that medium. But um, but it didn't for me, but it did for some people. So how did you do your podcast? Where, Where did you do it? Well, we did do a couple before the lockdown. So two episodes were in real life, in real homes, one with Tom Allen and one with Jen Brister. But then lockdown happened and we were not sure really if we were going to go ahead. But then it became clearer, as it did for all of us, that you can do a lot of these things remotely. So, yeah, we were, I mean, the one with Lenny James, he was in Austin in Texas. So in a way, doing it remotely did open up bookings that I wouldn't maybe have otherwise got yeah. if I thought I had to do them in real life. Every cloud. Exactly. I mean, I was really chuffed to get him to do it and he was more than happy to do it but as I say it was quite quite a big deal given where he was so um, yeah we did them all remotely good for you alright love to talk to you Kerry uh, well done lovely format congratulations um, Kerry Godleman Memory Lane podcast available weekly on Apple Spotify and Entail or from wherever you get your podcast the lovely Kerry Godleman the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio in 2008 our next guest warned everyone that a global pandemic very similar to this one was coming not many people listened well his latest book How to Survive a Pandemic is out tomorrow and here to tell us more is someone that we should definitely listen to this time 
Pay attention, everyone. It's the brilliant Dr. Michael Greger. Good morning, Michael. What a fantastic <laughs> intro. <laughs> right, first of all, for those of you who have no idea, the next gentleman we're going to talk to on our beloved radio show is as important as a human being as, for example, and I'm not over-exaggerating, over-egging the pudding here. Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Isaac Newton, Einstein, Vincent van Gogh, Marie Curie, uh, Maya Angelou, William Shakespeare, and I'm being totally serious. Uh, his name is Michael Greger. Uh, what have you had to eat today, Michael? I've had to eat only good, wonderful things off the Daily Dozen. Available as a free app, iPhone, Android. Check it out. Okay, right, your book. It's out now. How to Survive a Pandemic. It's one of many books you've written and uh, one of many you're still to write. A pandemic that you were ready for and have been talking about forever, while most of the rest of us were blithely moseying along as if pandemics were old hat and nothing to worry about. Is that about it? Well, I mean, it's not just me. Public health experts shouting from the rooftops for decades that another pandemic is coming um, and no one listened. Um, but finally, um, this may just uh, um, they've gotten people's attention. Um, uh, but uh, this actually may just be kind of a dress rehearsal, a fire drill to kind of wake us out of our complacency. Um, uh, because it could have been so much worse. We're actually, surprisingly, getting off relatively easy. OK, so, um, but this is the first pandemic that's a coronavirus. All pandemics before this have been flus. Um, uh, it's possible the 1889 pandemic was uh, also a coronavirus, but uh, certainly in the last century, all have been um, the flu, and uh, but there have been deadly outbreaks of coronaviruses um, uh, just here in the 21st century with the outbreak of SARS and the outbreak of MERS. Um, we got lucky in those cases in that people became symptomatic before they became infectious. So they spiked the fever, started coughing before they could optimally spread it to other people. Um, and so you can imagine, you could set up these temperature monitors. We're able to stop um, the spread of SARS, about 8,000 cases, 800 deaths. Um, similarly, able to stop uh, MERS, uh, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome virus. Um, but, uh, you know, little did we know that we could have a coronavirus with that human-to-human uh, -human transmissibility, but that critical infectiousness before showing symptoms. That's how this virus um, can spread so effectively, unlike other uh, coronavirus outbreaks. COVID-19 is like the flu, and that people can be contagious before showing symptoms. So days before you become infected, you can look perfectly fine, feel perfectly fine, but be exhaling virus. Um, with every breath, deal, uh, days after becoming infected. Um, but, but that's why these social distancing measures have become so necessary, because without sufficient testing, you just don't know who's infected. So you have to try to keep everybody apart from everybody else. Now, the last time I heard you talking about this was on Rich's podcast uh, a few weeks ago. You know, every minute in this uh, journey of us uh, with this journey between ourselves and COVID-19 is, uh, is priceless. So what have you learned since then? What are the big headlines since then? Well, uh, certainly um, we recognized uh, the uh, presence of airborne transmission. We, we originally were uh, concerned about contact transmission from fomites such as, uh, you know, uh, doorknobs and, uh, you know, light switches and toilet handles, that kind of thing. Um, that then switched to primary focus on respiratory droplets, these larger uh, droplets that spew out of our mouth during conversational speech and singing and shouting. Um, uh, and now have moved on to the recognition that even the, what's called true airborne transmission, meaning little tiny particles that can float in the air even after someone has gone out of a room, 
um, uh, appear capable of transmitting this virus. And so that's that's uh, unfortunate news, makes it more kind of akin to the measles than uh, what we typically see in kind of a kind of common cold scenario. But primary transmission is still probably that droplet transmission. So it's really about distance, distance, distance. The problem with masks is that it may give people a false sense of security and uh, people may, with a mask on, uh, feel more comfortable becoming cl- closer to people or being in an inf- uh, a confined, crowded indoor space, which is the riskiest thing, mask or no mask. Before we go, um, should we just uh, clarify, uh, you know, a, a single simple message, a takeaway for people uh, now? The, the number one thing you can do as a human being not to get uh, COVID-19 and therefore not to pass it on and kill someone you love, like, or perhaps don't even know, is to, to s- safe distance. Because if, if the virus can't get you, can't get to you, you can't get it. But from um, an internal point of view, from an immune system point of view, what can people do now? How can they change their lives today in one minute well look the good news is we have tremendous power over our health destiny and longevity the vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors this is especially important now in the age of covid because consider the underlying risk factors for covid19 severity and death obesity heart disease hypertension type 2 diabetes all of which can be controlled or even reversed with a healthy enough plant-based diet and lifestyle. So we should take this opportunity to really take care of ourselves to protect us in the future against chronic disease and right now against infection. It's nearly your bedtime. Um, very important, of course, as far as our health regime is concerned, is good <laughs> sleep. How do you, how on earth do you stop this brain of yours whirring? How much sleep do you get? What time will you go to bed? Uh, how, uh, how soundly will you sleep and what time will you get up? It's a, it's a do as I say, not as I do. Yes. Um, unfortunately, that is that is one of the areas of life, the pillars of lifestyle medicine, which I'm still myself uh, uh, working on. It's always so depressing looking at the sleep deprivation literature because I realize what a disservice I'm doing to myself. I just find I'm so much less productive when I'm unconscious. And that's why I strive to work a little too long. Listen, I love you. So I've never even met you, but I love you. If you're ever allowed to get on a plane and, and come to the UK again, come and see us first. I'll even pick you up from the airport. I can't wait. Looking very much forward to that. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Today sees our next guest standing proud at the top of the broadcasting tree for Whisper It 50 years. He launched and supported more superstar musicians than we could possibly name. So please welcome a man whose greatness should not be whispered, but shouted from the rooftops. It's the magnificent Bob Harris. Thank you very much. He has launched and still launches, still continues to do so at the very top of his game. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Chris. Well, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. How nice to talk to you. It's been ages, actually, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. And you've always been so nice to me all the time because you're Ditto. just yeah. the nicest guy. Uh, so um, at the age of 24, do you recall the first microphone you had the honour of sitting behind? Vividly, uh, yes, 19th of August 1970, and I sat in on a great programme called Sounds of the 70s on Radio 1. Uh, I sat in for John Peel, who took uh, four weeks' holiday, and his producer, Jeff Griffin, allocated me to the show. That was my first... It was the first time I'd ever been on the radio, apart from sort of brief interviews, but it was the first show I'd ever done, and I was doing it on national radio. So it, it was um, it, it was sort of heartwarming and heart-stopping both at the same time. That's a big first gig, isn't it? It is, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, uh, we're looking down here now at the list of people, new musicians that you have helped, you've committed to help in any way you can. And they were new then, but they're not now. Uh, names such as Emily Harris and Tom Petty. I mean, what were, what were the fledgling greats of today like back then? It was a, an exciting time in the 70s. It really was. Music seemed to have sort of broken wide open. Uh, everybody had a, a very, uh, I don't know, open mind to new things. It was an exciting time. And, you know, you look particularly at the early 70s and the number of bands, both from here and America, that broke through in the early 70s, whose names we still know and who are making still great music. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a terrific time to, to get the gig that I had on the old Grey Whistle Test. I sort of parachuted down into paradise. And the 70s have, were very interesting, you know, purely by dint of the fact that they were off the back of the 60s. And the 60s had all that sort of post-World War II um, optimism, didn't they? They had all the colour, you know. Um, there, there was the pill, of course. There was um, psychedelic. Delia. Uh, and then the 70s, you know, they, they it's almost like, you know, uh, a, a sort of fledgling comedian having to go on after Eddie Murphy at the, <laughs> at the peak of his powers. So the 70s had a lot to cope with, but but they did OK. I mean, what was that like? What was that? Trans was it a come down? Was it a, you know, what kind of transition was it from the 60s to the 70s? You're right, though, Chris, you've described that really well. You know, there was uh, the 50s lasted into the 60s for probably two or three years pre Beatles. And then the 60s lasted into the 70s, that feeling of um, optimism that you're describing there was that's how you felt. But I personally think that, the, you know, the 70s got somewhat overindulgent eventually. And, uh, you know, all the promise from the 60s by the mid 70s had begun to evaporate. And I think that was a real shame. Would it be like a party that goes on too long? You're having such a good time, you know, and then we all know that nothing really, nothing good really happens after midnight at a party. All the fun's had before, but you are, you know, you often end up saying till lunchtime the next day. Was it a bit like that? Yeah, in a word, I think it probably was. <laughs> so tell us about, tell us about the, the, the tent poles of the 70s. Give us three, three absolute Harris highlights of the 70s. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, most of my highlights at that time, Chris, really did revolve around the old grey whistle test. And in particular, uh, the journeys we took to the States. We were in America most summers filming over there for maybe five or six weeks at a go based oh. in Los Angeles and oh. discovering these bands, you know, seeing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers play at a little club in uh, Sunset Strip, Whiskey A Go-Go it was, in fact, with them. And then the following year, it was the Cars at the Roxy. We saw Bruce Springsteen play the Roxy. Uh, you know, it was really an unrepeatable and amazing time. Was it magic moment after magic moment? It was, uh, yeah. And yeah. magic many things after magic many things, I would imagine, too, <laughs> up in the hills. And um, But, of course, you know, you, off, off the back of the sizzling, you know, Laurel Canyon days, the Mamas and the Papas, Crosby, Stills and Nash and & Young. And, and, you know, again, you know, we, when, you're in the, when you're in the thick of things, you know, last year seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, and history happens so quickly, doesn't it? It does. But, you know, in my case, although, you know, we're talking about what it was like in the 70s and, and how much I enjoyed the experience of it all, it's nice to look back, but quite honestly, one lives in the present. 
you know, in the present and looking forward to the future. And uh, that's the jump now. The 50th anniversary is a moment for me to celebrate the past, absolutely, but also set up some projects for the future. And we've got some really exciting things in the pipeline. All right. Okay. But uh, if you want to delve into Bob's world, okay, the new website is due to launch later today in collaboration with 3B Digital. It aims to be one of the most comprehensive music information resources in the world. And you can find out more by going to archive at bobharris.org. Bob, a joy to talk to you. Please, anytime you like, anything you want to play, anything you want to uh, impart, anything that's instructive or magical, you know where we are. Absolutely, Chris. It's always such a joy to talk to you. Thanks very much. You are more than welcome. Uh, the great Bob Harris there. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. 